We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you will receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Throws an arcing pass upfield. Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the 
Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host and partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Sorry for the bit of a hiatus. School got going. I got sick. And all of a sudden, it's been almost two weeks since we've been on the air. I can't do that. Can't do that no more. That's for sure. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, man. I'm like you, man. The school thing is a real deal. I'm like, hey, now that I've been in the profession full time for a couple years, uh, we need to go out here and and put up some picket signs for a little bit more pay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm just just happy to have a job at this point, man. Hey, I'm uh, not complaining. Absolutely. It is uh, a a good thing to actually be employed. Yes, sir. The, The craziness of covid the, the the workload changes that, that comes with it definitely got to earn that money but you know what is that it's nice to be in the classroom with these kids I gotta tell you you know it's been a rough year for everybody that and working with them and just how rough it's been for them uh, I'm just happy to be there so you know I'll take it I'm I'll definitely take it now there you go you were mentioning earlier as we were texting back and forth getting things planned out for a night that you have some stuff going on with football what's the deal out there yeah, man, the deal out here, at least California now, it looks like, you know, with the COVID rates going down, uh, we got this colored tier system that we, the governor has uh, our areas on, if you will. But we're now back at a spot where it looks like we're going to be able to resume practice beginning on Monday. So they're somewhat leaving it up to the schools given the time of the year, just some different things. But, yeah, if everything uh, – I got a couple more meetings this week, uh, but it looks like we may be able to get going uh, on Monday and then have our first game pretty quick coming up on the – I believe it's the 19th or 26th. Uh, Do you guys have March. a schedule? Well, they're going to. That's what the ADs and stuff are supposed to be meeting with today and tomorrow on uh, doing a schedule. Because what they're doing, they're just going to kind of keep everything local, kind of mix up the leagues that are here. Uh, So we'll probably play some teams normally we may not play. The idea is just, you know, get those kids back out there again, especially the seniors. At least give them something to say, hey, we can at least have some closure on. Do they know how many games will be? Well, right now it's looking like uh, six games with a possible bowl game. No playoffs. No playoffs. uh, No playoffs. No out-of-area games. uh, But at least possibly six games. And, again, that depends on if we don't get moved back on the original start date. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. Jeez. Man, better than nothing, but – yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at least gives you, you know, we've been staying hopeful, you know, it's gotten extended, extended, extended. But, you know, at least when you say not just for us trying to get out here, and maybe get these kids something to do. But if the numbers are going down, that obviously means less people getting sick with the chance of less people dying. So I think that's a win in itself. Yeah, I mean, it is a win, but it it's. It is now almost March. I cannot yes. believe that you're going to have kids playing football, you know, in getting to May. I mean, well, ding, ding, goodness. ding, DC Apollo. That's why you are the guru. Absolutely. So that was talked a lot about. We had a big coaches meeting on a Zoom call today, and 
those kinds of things come up because as they're trying to get other spring sports started as well, you're now talking about playing up to a six game season. And then typically they feel like it's going to be regular season starting again back in the end of August. So you got that working against you in the sense of, okay, is this really making total sense to even try to do this at this point? Absolutely. I was thinking also about the possibility, you know, how many of these guys also play baseball, for example, or run track. You know, so they have to give up something to play football, then there's no opportunity for them to even win a championship because you're playing in the city of a six-game schedule with no no playoffs. I mean, I, those are the things that go through my mind. You know, again, track, baseball, I'm not sure other spring sports are out there. And then for some people who are going off to college, the few who will play college ball, you're in camp, what, in July? So I'm, I'm just thinking on top of my head, I wonder how well any of that will work. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. That's why we got Derek Ciapala for the Central Valley Commissioner. Absolutely. So a lot of those things were discussed, you know, when you're talking about cohorts and the different things of, you know, so it kind of came down to if you're playing football, you can't go out to baseball till actually it's over. Obviously, if it wasn't a COVID situation, you could kind of double, but they don't want the, you know, mixing back and forth. That being the case, you literally can't go out until this season's over. And I'm not sure if you're going to have to quarantine for, you know, a couple of days or not. But absolutely, all those things come into play. If you're a senior and you are playing next year in college, are you going to maybe even mess around at this time? Because, again, it's a sport that there's definitely uh, opportunities for injuries and, a big concern was, hey, you know, we got kids that really haven't been able to be in a gym. You know, how well are they really going to be conditioned to actually go play a Bam. physical game like football? Bam. That's actually, yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about playing football, that would be a minor <laughs> concern. You know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. I mean, these are kids who, you know, we, we you start camp, you're starting camp usually in July for a late August or early September start, and you don't have anything else you get to worry about that moment except for camp. You're not in school yet. You can have right. your two-a-days. You can really get your conditioning in the heat. What kind of conditioning you could be able to get in in the next month? I I, I mean, I know you want to play, but on, this, on my side, I'm sitting thinking, second thoughts here. You know, I, I, A minute ago, I was just saying, hey, great for them, but now maybe right. it's not the world's best idea to put some kids' health. I'm talking physical health, not even like COVID health at risk. Let them go run track. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And so, you know, there was a discussion, but unfortunately, uh, you know how sometimes these meetings go, the things you need to talk about, you don't talk about till the meeting's about to close. And that's yeah. what happened kind of with this. Uh, so, of course, me and a couple coaches were on the phone, uh, you know, talking after. And absolutely all those things come into play. You know, what are you doing for, again, a kid in high school injury factor? And, you know, one of my thoughts is if NFL who have private trainers, they could kind of do it at a different level. College who have all those things. And we saw the number of injuries that happened to people that had more resources to do it. You want a kid to put a helmet on come Monday 
and then talk about he he's going to be click clacking, as I call it, in 10 days. Like, OK, like, it, is this what we really want to do? So that was kind of my question, uh, because to your point, that's what you got to ultimately say. Is a kid actually going to be physically fit to even play that game at that level? Hmm. That's what yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. All right, folks. So there's yeah. our, our our update for you. But we're here to talk Serena <laughs> football. Now I got to apologize to you all. I did this interview with Eric Slip from the from the Lions Wire right after the, the trade, and just due to scheduling on my end, I wasn't able to get it out to you. So we won't get out that out to you today. So if it sounds a little outdated in the fact that it's not as a meet, that's why. But he still has a lot to talk about concerning Matt Stafford. And also, we want to get a little bit into some of the coaching changes as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get there, I want to ask you to head over to Apple Music. Really would appreciate a five-star review. Our guys, especially, hey, the Money Heads guys have done a lot this year to make a, make a difference. And the Young Bucks over there have uh, really... Put on some good shows, and we're glad to be back as well. Uh, five star review, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to leave some feedback for us, just one on one, Rams Talk 1945 at gmail.com. Again, we appreciate that. Also, we are looking for sponsors of the 2021, yeah, excuse me, 2021 season and um, to help get things going. Just let us again email Rams Talk 1945 gmail.com. So, without further ado, it's Eric Schlitt from Lions Wire and the Lions Breakdown Podcast. Check them out. All right, folks, I'm here with Eric Schlitt. He is the editor at Lions Wire, the Lions Wire, also co-host the podcast Lions Breakdown. So needless to say, he's our go-to guy when talking about the Detroit Lions. And, and given the big trade that just happened here, I'm going to definitely have some questions for him on Matthew Stafford, the trade itself, and so on and so forth. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's good to talk to you again. I think this is... Uh... We're getting close to about a half dozen times here. We've had conversations on your podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you had what the uh, Antoine um, Robinson last year, the preview. Yep. I mean, our tour in the league. We enjoy having you on. You always bring good insight. And uh, I'm guessing once the kind of agreement was made with Matt Stafford and the Lions that they're going to part, the trade was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Did this go down the way you thought it would? Uh, it, it was a little faster than I think we thought it would uh, happen here in Detroit. Um, the news was that things were happening relatively quickly, uh, but 
typically the the lines take their time uh with with moves and i get the logic of trying to get it done before uh, uh the the market i guess opens up to other potential quarterbacks that are, might get cut or traded and lines want to get ahead of that and so they were pretty aggressive had a lot of had a lot of uh people um that they were talking with and the rams i guess even mid saturday afternoon weren't even the front runners and uh they were able to up their package and uh come through with a better offer and i think both teams end up happy at the end of the day so who was the front runner then what was the report out there carolina had um they were offering the number nine overall pick and a late day pick. And I believe they were also offering a quarterback. It hasn't been confirmed when it was reported that it was potentially Teddy Bridgewater. So if you're looking at the nine plus Bridgewater plus a late round pick, and uh, then you compare it to what the Rams offered, I still think the Rams offer was a, a better deal. If you look at the number nine pick and you kind of extrapolate the value of that pick um, versus the two picks they got from the Rams, even if the Rams are picking the mid to late twenties, uh, both years, it still equals or pretty equal to uh, a trade chart value of the number nine pick. It's pretty close. And then when you add in the third round pick this year, I think that was better. And then the familiarity with golf as opposed to Bridgewater, I think really helped sweeten the pot uh, for the Lions to want to make this deal. So, so a little bit of a debate for us. I mean, well, golf first year. The belief on our side is this is basically a cash dump. In reality, the Lions don't see Jared Goff as their future. Is that true or false in your view? Um, you know, it, they're saying all the right things to him. They're 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 being very optimistic and positive with him. They're telling him that they want him to be here. Uh, the challenging thing is, is to me, it looks like a bridge. Um, they are organizing this team for 2023. If they can be competitive in 2022, all the better. But realistically, this is a, a very like a two-year rebuild, and that's right at the time when all of the guarantees come off of Goff's contract. Wouldn't be surprising for me to see the Lions draft the quarterback, try and develop him. If he's ready to go next year, then they may end up moving on from Goff. But if um, it takes two years, then you know I think they might move on from him there. So if he plays well, if he if he finds a way to be successful. Uh, in the in two years, then um, you know there's a chance that he sticks around, and that then they have a good problem with a young quarterback and a and a successful quarterback. But uh, it, it's unpredictable right now, right? Everything that they are doing here in Detroit is they're creating these succession plans, right? So and and I believe that's they're going to be their approach at quarterback. They're going to have Goff let him get a couple of years to try out, at least one year to try out for sure, and uh, see if he can establish himself, and then have a plan B uh, that they acquire in the draft this year. So when you're looking at the Lions here, and we know the draft is still to come, free still to come, you mentioned they're really building towards 2023. Mm-hmm. Where does any quarterback kind of fit this offense? Where are they trying to do? Well, that's the trick, right? Is we're not even 100% clear on what the approach is. Offensive coordinator is Anthony Lynn with the Chargers. So you can look back at what he did in uh, with the Chargers last year and say, does that apply to what they have? But it also kind of fits what he did in Buffalo when he was running the ball more. That fits more in line with what Dan Campbell has been saying about what he wants to get out of the team. So it's it's not totally clear exactly what this offensive approach is going to be. Um, 
my guess is that they're going to try and cater it towards golf early while also trying to establish the run because that's really where there's uh, the guys that they have under contract are, are run oriented guys. And so I think they want to establish the run, try and that should help golf. They want to try and I think they'll skew the passing game a little bit to him as well. And then um, we'll see, you know, what happens as the scheme, like, I guess, changes or develops over time. Um, it's, 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 it's really just guesses though, at this point, I, I'm, this is just kind of like from what I've heard and this is my best speculation. So here's my real question relating to golf here and what the lines are doing. Do you have the offensive line to protect them? Well, I'll tell you what, they have a really good left side. Uh, Taylor Decker, uh, what they just signed to an extension. He just had a career year. Uh, Frank Ragnow in the middle is, it was a pro bowler and an all pro. And uh, they drafted a rookie left guard last year who started all 16 games and played well. And then, so the left side is is really solid. On the right side, it's a little bit more questionable. Um, you have They drafted and developed Tyrell Crosby for three years. He's in the final year of his contract. They signed Vitae, who's more run-oriented. They wanted him to play tackle, but he ended up pushing in the guard. All of those guys return. So it's possible uh, that they can protect him. And I think that's going to be a priority. The, one of the strengths of the Lions is that they have other positions that are good at pass protectors as well. Tight ends can pass protect. The running backs can pass protect. So they have options. It's not an elite line, but they're in the top half of the league um, most years. And they're returning um, Hank Fraley, their offensive line coach, who really did wonders with them. So I, I'm optimistic that they can protect him. Uh, I know that if they can't, that's that's going to be a, a, a problem for sure. Okay. So then flipping over to Matt Stafford, mm-hmm. why the breakup now? I think it's the rebuild, right? Um, he's been with the organization 12 years. He has two years left on his contract. And if this organization is trying to rebuild for two years from now, uh, they'd be in a position where they'd have to make a decision on his contract. And I don't know if he wanted to go through that process again. You know, he is you know, nearing his mid-30s, and if he takes two years and he spends two years, you know, in a rebuild, how much of his career does he have left in order to really make a run at things? And so I think he was feeling worn down, and uh, it, it it's a tough, it, it's a, he's had a tough go of it. He's had a lot of offensive coordinators. He's had a lot of different head coaches. The, the, the turnover on the coaching staff has been unfortunate in here in Detroit, but um you know, I think it's just he didn't want to go through that process again. And his long-term goals and their long-term goals, I think it was a it was a, enough to say that if they separated right now, it could be beneficial to both of them. Because I really do think that they took his uh, preferences of where he wanted to go in consideration when sending him uh, out to L.A. The rumors are that he had preferred L.A. as the, his number one choice. So the fact that they were able to get a deal done, I think, speaks well to. Uh, the Lions wanting to take care of a veteran, which is something they haven't always done in the past. So it's it's all part of this, you know, trying to, you know, keep our keep the uh, you know the the veterans happy and be good to players beyond just their career in Detroit. And uh, for Stafford, he 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 needed a, a fresh start or wanted a fresh start. He's got a home in L.A. There's a lot of things that really work for him with the Rams that uh, I think was really motivating for him to want to go out to uh, California. So in your view, how good of a match is he for the Rams? Well, that's the question, right? Um, 
in my opinion, he's I mean, he's a better quarterback than Goff is. He is going to be able to do things that Goff wasn't able to do. He's more comfortable um moving outside of the pocket. He he's more comfortable going deep. Uh he doesn't turn over the ball as much, even though he will have an occasional uh throw that he shouldn't force that he does because he's got the arm strength where he tries to he thinks he can make every throw and typically he does. Like, you know, every nineteen times out of twenty he's gonna make the ridiculous throw and then every once in a while that twentieth time he's gonna throw it right to somebody. And it's they're few and far between, but they happen. Uh so I think turnovers is going to make McVay happy. Um, I think being able to go deep is going to make him happy. The, if, if I have one question, the only thing that that I would be concerned about as as a Rams fan was the um, the McVay's m- wanting to micromanage the quarterback, and, and Stafford really does not do well with micromanagement. Um, I, there was a the game against Arizona a year from a, a year prior. Uh, I don't know if you recall, they tied on like they tied uh, Arizona in like the uh, it was season opener, and the Lions were driving down the field, and it was a tie game, and they were ready to take the lead. It was a fourth down play, and um, right as the play was about to happen, uh, Daryl Bevel ran down and called a timeout. Matt Stafford, you know, hiked the ball and actually had the perfect play called. And when he got time, when the timeout was called, he was it, it stopped play. And he went over to the sideline and they decided to punt. And he was like, just screaming to himself, trust me, trust me. Why don't you trust me? And so if you don't trust him, he's going to struggle and he's going to get mad about it. And if you try and I think if you micromanage him, that's going to be something that's going to frustrate him. If you let him play, I mean, I think he can do well. And in that offense, in the Rams offense, I think he can do very well. And so I think as long as the there's a cohesive relationship between coach and quarterback here. And um, there's a, you know, a level of respect, I think that goes beyond what was uh, reportedly there with golf. Um, I think there's a real good opportunity for him to find success. So the, the belief here is that the reason why golf was, was micromanaged is because golf wasn't stepping up and doing his job. Sure. It's chicken or the egg, right? It's mm-hmm. it, that's, that's the issue is, is is he micromanaged? What is did he struggle because he was being micromanaged, or was he micromanaged because he was struggling? It's it's hard to say, and I understand that perspective as well. And 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 I get it when you look at his when you look at Goff's production over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't think it was surprising that he saw a decline from uh, 2018 to 2019 when he wasn't protected uh, well with the offensive line. But then in 2020, when he had a good offensive line and was protected. He still struggled. And, and because he still struggled, I think there's, there's definite concerns over Goff's ability to find success. The question just becomes, is it, uh, you know, it, from, from, from Detroit's perspective is, can he shock Jared Goff back into, you know, what helped him be the number one overall pick? And, and for the Rams, it's, if 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 McVay's strategy is, is to not micromanage, then I think you are going to be just fine. Uh, um, you know, it, because Stafford's smart enough to be able to go out there and do it. He's, be, he's smart enough to be able to go out there and make plays and make adjustments. And, and he understands the game like extraordinarily well as a 12 year veteran, you know, that's, that's a huge amount of, uh, of experience to bring with him. And you can, if you really just kind of let him play and, you know, give him the plays and, and he'll follow along and like, he, look, he's a, he's a good soldier. Like he's not going to complain. He's not going to go to the media and complain. He's not going to complain to his his teammates. He's if 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 
the Rams present him with this is the game plan, he's going to take the game plan, he's going to execute it. But he's also going to get frustrated if he gets micromanaged. And so I think if, if and I think McVay is smart enough to recognize that as well, you know. And so as long as that's not an issue, I, I don't see any reason why Stafford can't be uh, very success, successful. And it's interesting because, you know, when 2019 happened, um, a lot of the criticism that went at McVay was that he couldn't adjust to the 6-1 that teams are throwing against them on defense. Mm-hmm. Which I believe started with Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions. That game out there in Detroit. Yeah, I studied film, looked, and saw actually McVeigh was adjusting to it, but he didn't have the offensive line that year, and therefore the quarterback play to really do what he wanted to do. This year, a lot of the same things. Like you got, you kind of figured out that yeah, McVeigh's play calling sometimes will drive us a little crazy. Sometimes he's a little over-reliant on certain things. And sometimes he'll, he'll kind of get tunnel vision on the, on the passing game and ignore what gets him there, which is the running game. But on the flip side, what we've seen from him is he will do everything he can to work within the limitations of his quarterback. And we, I think towards the end there, he felt like Jared Goff was not able to run the offense he wanted to run. Questions can Matt Stafford. Is he, where is he, you know, he's a better quarterback. He's definitely, you know, the best we've seen in Detroit over the years. Uh, so sure. where is Matt Stafford on that level in terms of quarterbacks? In my opinion, he's, he's, he's been a top 10 quarterback for the last half deck, at least. Um, I, I think he gets overlooked a lot because of the, the fact that Detroit was uh, not a good franchise. and when you don't win games you often lose that recognition and there's still a lot of people that really focus on wins and losses and putting that on a quarterback as if it's Matt Stafford's fault that the other team scored 45 right so it's he gets he doesn't get enough credit all the time right and so he can make every throw he he's got the arm strength he's got the confidence um and but like he's he's also he, 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 I mean, and he's no, he's also susceptible to uh, an offensive coordinator changing the scheme on him as well. Like, for example, uh, when Jim Bob Cooter was in um, in Detroit a couple years back, he was wildly successful in his first year, and then he scaled it back similarly to what the Rams did with Goff last year, where they stopped throwing deep and they just started dinking and dunking a little bit more. Um, that happened to Stafford, and he again went along with it because that was the scheme, and he just executed it. But he he was had a he had a massively down year because that wasn't con, co- cohesive for what his best assets are. He's a guy that wants to go deep. He's a guy that wants to be able to make the throws uh, down the field, intermittent. He, he the the flats he he could care less about. Like he he doesn't prioritize tight ends. He but he likes to be able to hit those vertical receivers. He likes to be able to have a a number one to go over the middle. Like he likes hitting his running backs out when he when he can. Like there, there's Definite preferences that he has, but um, I think the sky's the limit for him as long as you're willing to, um, as long as you're willing to adapt your scheme to his strengths. You know, he's very good at play action. He's uh, he's never even, and he's never really had a run game. And he, and even though he's never had a run game really behind him, he's still so good at play action that he's he's been extraordinarily efficient in that area. So like, there's there's a lot that he can do. 
on his plate. You just, you got to let him be a little bit of a gunslinger sometimes. And I know that's, you know, some teams and some coaches don't, don't like that. And they've tried to corral that in the past, but as we saw last couple of years with Daryl Bevel in this kind of West coast scheme that they were implementing, uh, if you let him cut it loose, he can do some damage and he'll do some pretty cool stuff. One of the points I made in our show was, you know, he racked up over 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions with when his leading receiver was Marvin Jones. And that's no offense to Marvin Jones, but he's not a number one receiver, not, not by a long shot. I think that's a testament to, uh, to, to Stafford. I think it's also kind of a testimony against some of the things we, we've been hearing called pad Stafford oh, or yeah. Padford for padding yeah. his stats. I don't really believe that. Uh, am I oh, right no. to go that that's route? A, no, that's a complete misnomer. There, there was a there was a B report, not even a B reporter. He was an it was a uh, he was a B level reporter named Rob Parker who was in Detroit and and he came up with this concept of calling him Pat Stafford or, or Stat Pafford, right? Pafford, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it's called. And 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 he basically said. You know, if he it, that Stafford always just gets uh, extra stats in the last quarter when no one's playing defense against them, and and that's it's com- been completely disproven multiple times. Uh, his fourth quarter yardage and point total is he is on par with the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. He's not a he doesn't pad his stats at all. It's 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 really absurd. And when you look at and I know there again, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that say, oh, he had Calvin Johnson to do it look calvin made matt better but matthew made calvin better as well like and i don't think he gets enough credit for that and when you look at the other receivers that have come through detroit he nate burleson had some of his best years when Stafford was throwing him the ball golden tate had some of his best years when Stafford was throwing him the ball kenny galladay marvin jones like when these receivers come in like he is able to elevate them and he again people don't give him credit because they they say the Lions are losing, and he's just throwing stats up on the board, and that's completely false. And I mean, Parker has this uh, national. He's I don't know, yes, he was on ESPN. I don't know where he is anymore, but like I don't pay attention to him anymore. He's he's terrible, mm-hmm. but he created this concept right uh, of how that Stafford never didn't earn anything, and and I that's that's so far off base. And, you know, the, the, the statistical data is there to prove it, that it's completely off base. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's frustrating to have somebody like that, uh, you know, put that put out, out there about a quarterback because it makes your job, you know, so much harder. And it makes the fans jobs, you know, it makes it harder to be a fan when you have that negativity out there. It, it's, it's a complete misnomer, though, for sure. I, he's every yard that he's throwing he's earning it's it's not something that he's like nothing's being given to him he has worked his butt off to to get all of those stats okay so last question but this is i think our biggest one of all judging from what you've seen with matt stafford going to a team like the rams who really believe they're in their window this is this is it for them they got a core who are in their prime years can matt stafford take them to a Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he's capable of doing something like that. Um, you know, it, of course, you have to have the other right pieces in place. Can you replace your defensive coordinator? Can you can you uh, can continue to be consistently positive on the offensive line? Can you uh, 
uh, have a, a solid running game behind him. All of those things are going to help him be able to take that next kind of step with it with an organization. But there's no doubt in my mind that um, he's capable of getting into a playoff game. And if the team is struggling, put them on his shoulders and still get a win out of it. Uh, he's definitely capable of that. And if you give him support around it, that's going to make it all the easier for him. All right. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time. Can you let folks know where they can find you and your work? And they're definitely going to want to follow Jared Goff this year. So <laughs> you might have some LA fans coming over to, just to watch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm Right now I'm writing at uh, the Lions Wire which is part of uh, USA Today's uh, social media network. And um, I have a weekly podcast called the Detroit Lions Breakdown. And we talk about everything, you know, that's uh, Lions related, very golf heavy right now. And um, yeah, you know, it's uh, those are the those are the, the big spots to hit me. And then I, I, the, if you have a question for me, the easiest place to hit me is on Twitter. It's uh, at Eric Schlitt, E-R-I-K-S-C-H-L-I-T-T. And uh, I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, help people uh, get updated on where he's at. I mean, every time I've reached out to you, you've replied. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, thanks so much. And hopefully we'll talk to you again for the tour around the league. Yeah, sounds good, man. Talk to you later. Thank you. So, Mike, it's been a couple of weeks since the trade. You've had some time to digest it. Do you have anything in your mind that's changed about this move to get Matt Stafford? Well, I think it's still a great move in the sense that we know what you have in Matt Stafford. The Rams and coaching staff and the powers that be decided that maybe they were just at the end of the road and, and they reached the ceiling on at least Jared Goff. And sometimes it's not a ceiling so much that he can't do it or he can't play. It's just a ceiling on here with the Rams. Whatever happens uh, with head coaches, old coordinators, if they lose belief in you, it doesn't matter what you think you do or how this and all that. It comes down to, yeah, that might be the case. I just don't have belief in you. And so we need to move on. So I, I think it's still going to be an upgrade if, in fact, you know, the Rams are going to still have to do some things. We're going to have to establish a running game. We're going to have to shore up some of the pass protections. Uh, but I just think with everything that happened last year with COVID, you know, I said early that I thought last year would just really be a pass for everyone, but I guess everyone really took it to the next level. I mean, you got a guy like Russell Wilson say, yeah, man, I've been here all these years. They need to get somebody who can block for me. So I was like, what? We never heard that from him before. So, uh, I think it's yet to be seen, but I, I think we, we're, we're pointed in the right direction. I just want to point this out. Way back when the season started, and you mentioned everybody gets a mulligan, there was one person that I said I didn't think would get a mulligan. Do you remember who that person was? You did say Jared Goff probably wouldn't because this is his year to show what he could do. For once, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. It's nice to be right for once. The the thing is, when I'm looking back at this trade now, uh, you mentioned it offhand as you're getting going. Thirty million in dead cap. We lead the league in dead cap money right now. In a, in a year now, we're hearing that the expected salary cap is going to be 180 million. That's disappointing to me because yeah. You know, 
I mean, I can go back into the rants about this all I want, but who's paying the price? The teams who are paying the price on this are the teams who are willing to spend money and have to spend money. And I think it's kind of hot garbage. Uh, so 180, Rams rolled over 5.7. So right now, they have a 186, and they got basically like 23, 24 over the cap. They got to find a way around that, and they don't have a whole lot of space. They have a couple of free agents they probably should bring back as well. So I don't know how they're going to do this. The only thing that kind of comforts me a little bit is if the Rams think they can pull this off, they don't make the trade. So they're going to make it work. They're one of the best teams in the league at making the money work. It's just frustrating to see them take a little mess in here. And also on the flip side of it, the Lions took a dive here too. They get, I think, a 19 mil dead cap hit for shipping Stafford out. So people are saying that, you know, they're bringing Goff just for a kind of a two-year stopgap. I, I kind of wonder about that because you don't take this kind of dead cap hit and then take on his contract for a two-year stopgap. I think they'll still draft the quarterback. I just don't know that, that they're ready just to move off of Jared Goff right away like some folks out there believe they will. Well, I, I think there's, there's uh, what do they say? There's uh, the, the devil is in the details or the details are, uh, what's that's name? So you, like you had it, devil's in details? Yeah. So I think what, what it seems like it's going to be is like anything, the guys that are there, they are the guys who help get this guy drafted and moved up in the draft. So they're going to bank on whatever they saw in college is now coming to fruition there. Again, we not in, we're not in the meeting room. So what we can't put together is how do personalities and those dynamics play out in off the field, in the locker room, in the meeting room, you know, is a guy really listening to you or is he just kind of tone tone deaf to you? Uh, does it seem like the coach doesn't have confidence in you? You know, because again, if you're Jared Goff and you kind of watch them, it looked like it was a different offense when the other guy's in, you're going like, well, wait a minute, you guys don't call those plays when I'm in. I could do that. So I think it's, Part of they're going to hope like, yes, we got a situation and this guy turns into the guy we hope at the same time. If not, we got other options. But my heart of hearts, just being someone just sitting outside, you know, on the patio, I would say that was the good. Hey, man, we're going to do you guys a favor. Thanks for helping me learn under your your tutelage and. Now I'm over here. Hey, man, we're going to do you a favor. You know what I mean? And because if you look at just the numbers, like, why would they do that to your point if this guy isn't going to be a long term solution? I don't know. What do you think about that? You think it was just like, hey, man, we're going to bite the bullet for you. I don't know. It just seems kind of more of that than. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, and yeah. For Jared Goff being gone, it was about, I mean, listen, if you can't, if Sean McVay, an offensive quote-unquote guru, says, okay, I can't do this anymore, then that little divorce needed to happen. To your point of, you know, is is it kind of sooner or later, right? 
And then they're rolling the dice when you're talking about this cap idea. The idea is, okay, guys, we're going to roll the dice kind of one more time. Let's get a veteran in. You know, we're going to have most of our guys coming back. But now it's like everything actually has to hit as they have it on paper. If it doesn't, oh, believe me, it's going to be a lot of chirping going on all these social media sites. But they have to do something looking to fill seats. You know, would they be able to bring people in and say, yeah, golf can do it after kind of what's been going on the last number of years? Probably not. So at least if you bring someone else new in, whether they knock it out the park or not, at least for the year, you've given people some great hope to at least fill seats in the stadium. I mean, I think that's the point. They got to they gotta fill seats here. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Stafford will do that. And the, I think people are judging him by the fact he came from Detroit. And my argument from the get-go has been he had pretty good numbers there. His numbers are better with an actual well-complemented team. And Frank Ragnow said over the weekend, this guy can read defenses. What's, our, what's been our biggest complaint about Jared Goff? He right. can't read a defense. Right, right. At least not as well as we need him to. to right. I guess I'd be wrong to say he can't read defense because he wouldn't have made the right. NFL if he couldn't read one, but he's not reading right. well enough for what the Rams seem to do. So, exactly. Come on, Derek. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if Matt Stafford can come in there and be what they can just reading the defense, what well, he can, this, this offense changes drastically, and this team is much better offensively next year. Mostly because I think Sean McVay doesn't have to, to worry about it anymore. Well, you and, and again, you look at a guy like Tom Brady. We just got to use him because whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to give a guy credit where credit is due, you know. But when you're able to put your offensive line in the right line checks, you know, we got to slide protect that way. We got to make sure we double over here. Okay, I'm going to change this. I know it's supposed to be that, man. I'm going to hit this back swing route or whatever. Those things. A knowledgeable quarterback has to know to get you in the right position. I mean, you look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's kind of for these last number of years, he hasn't had a whole lot of talent, but he knows how to put guys in the right spots. And then it looks like, yeah, Green Bay is dope on offense. No, not really. He just knows how to find where they need to be and do that. So to your point, if you don't have a guy who can do that, it really limits the offense. It limits your ability to keep drives alive or make plays when you need to have it. Um, that's bingo. Bingo. I mean, there's nothing else I can really say about it. There's nothing else to say about it. I, I, you need this place. You need a guy who can make the plays whenever you need them. You need a guy who you think can get to the next level. And like we said before, the Rams are at a point where their players, our nucleus, are getting are in their primes now. They got to do it now. Salary cap's concern for me. Mentioned that, but Mike, another concern for me is the turnover on the staff. Now, before I kind of was like, "All right, all right, this is the price you pay because you are obviously a successful organization." Here's the problem: Aaron Cromer leaves. Regard is one of the best 
offensive line coaches in the league. He leaves with just to leave. They mutually agree to part ways. And Cromer's, Cromer doesn't have a job yet. So something happened. That also means nine people, seven coaches, two executives, left the team after this, this season. And this is after a bunch left last season. At this point, should we be concerned? Uh, I think you have to be concerned. Uh, well, obviously, it's offseason. Are you really that concerned? Uh, nah. But we're going to be certain. We'll, we'll see how concerned we needed to be or need to be pretty early on. Uh, the only good thing is it's not so close to what would be mini camps, OTAs, whatever. It's at least now. January, February. I mean, he just left now in February, but you have at least four or five months, six months before the season. So hopefully the coaches that are now here can, you know, be that difference. But we have to have concern because when you look across the board, this is almost like a whole new staff. Again, by the way, just want to throw in there again. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a lot of new players, not just one or two. (sighs) (laughs) You don't sound real confident, D. Come on now. I was more confident. I I, got to say losing losing Crummer was a gut punch. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. Well, you got to think he was able to try to make some some. What do they say? You're you're making a house out of a, basically mud pies. But there were some times when the, uh, maybe not so much this last season, but past season before, when you got all kinds of guys trying to play and you're trying to make it work and you, you're actually making it work. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. To, to I'm sure it'll come out eventually. I know a lot of coaches don't want to burn bridges, but. Somehow this stuff eventually leaks out into why he actually left. But at this time of year, uh, it just seems rather odd that, like, why would they do that to a guy that they came with him? So, yeah. I mean, well, technically they didn't do that. It was a mutual decision. Well, that's what they always say. But if you're a guy earning a living, how mutual is it for you to say, I'm leaving when I don't have a job? Good point. You know what I mean? It's different if your contract, quote unquote, was up and you mutually decided, yeah, I don't really want to come back. Well, we wanted you back, but you know, I don't really want to come back. Okay, well, we'll mutually say that, hey, you you want to do some other things, go fishing, you know? Now, it's different if he said, hey, man, I want to go back and I want to be a surgeon now. Okay, that would make sense, but it just seems like. He might have felt like, and and I think that was the same that happened with Aubrey Pleasant. I think they may have been like, well, hey, man, I've been here. I didn't even really get an opportunity to maybe move up to the D.C. or the O.C. or run game coordinator, whatever it could be. Uh, But it just seems like one of those situations where a coach says, yeah, I can't get along with this guy, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe there's some history with. Maybe he really was close to to Jared Goff. You know what I mean? I don't know. And and maybe he's not, maybe feel like he can't gel with, with Stafford. 
or maybe there's something I don't know. But there's something that that was weird that now after we get a new quarterback a couple weeks in, the O-line coach, who's very integral in how the offense is going to be better. And another thing, too, the guy they're bringing in, we'll talk about more. Sunday, he he was with McVay in Washington, coming over now from Stanford, was their offensive line coach, their run game corner up there. and. Being as though McVeigh knows him, I do feel a little bit better about that. It, I just, it is more unsettling to me. Well, you so, know, Kevin that's Carberry, probably one way. of the, well, I think that's one of the toughest things. And I'll just maybe use my own situation coming back to my alma mater. You got coaches that were with other coaches and then it's like, okay, are they wanting to get on board with the new school program or they're going to be setting their ways. A lot of them left. Some try to stay, but we pretty much will have all new guys who people will say, oh, well, now, Stu, you got your guys. Well, it's not necessarily you want to just get your guys. You want to get people that are going to jail with each other and help the team get better. But if those guys aren't in the room, yeah, you have to go get them out. But I think we've seen a trend with Coach McVay is that he wants to get people around him that he's either work with or he can have a little influence on, you know? Uh, So I don't know what the dynamics with the coach, but if you bring a guy in that you've known, you know, it might've been something that, Hey man, when I get a chance, I'm going to bring you in. And maybe this was an opportunity as they're going down, making overall changes to the staff. But it just, the timing just seems kind of odd. Like that should have happened probably right after the season when some of these other coaches were, you know, taking other positions. That's, again, that to me, some kind of disagreement there. Is it over rolling offense? Is it over, you know, the, the offensive line itself? What's it, what is it that brought about this big change? And I may, it has to miss the Rams to become, in my view, much more private during the McVay years, kind of following, just kind of following the Bill Belichick mode. The problem is Bill Belichick isn't always likable. <laughs> so what's that kind of say about, you know, where the Rams are going now? I'm just curious, but I guess we'll find out. Oh, one more thing, Mike, too, before we roll out of here. Uh, this week begins the, the the time of the year where you can tag somebody, franchise tag, transition tag, and is there anybody in mind right now, for agent wise, or thinking? I know LA Times put an article out there about somebody in the secondary, whether it be whether it be John Johnson or Troy Hill being um, tagged. What? You're a secondary guy. How do you feel about one of those two guys being tagged with with a transitional franchise? Yeah, it's going to be, man, interesting. But, you know, I take a guy who's been on the team, Jalen Ramsey. He spoke highly of both of those individuals, said they absolutely helped him transition to being here in L.A. and all these good things. And now coming back second year, full year, having a great year. And he said it was direct response to those individuals. Uh, but I'm, I have to believe, like you stated earlier, uh, whether it was on air or off, I forgot, we've been talking on and off uh, about the idea that 
you got to have one, some cohesion and you have to find a way to try to keep these guys together. So uh, do I have a pick over one or the other? Well, not really. But if your corner says your strong safety is very integral in getting us set up, if you have another corner who's been integral and he's showing up the other side of the field while you're taking care of your side, well, that makes your secondary now stout because you don't have a guy that's getting picked on every game. And then, you know, whether he make a play or not make a play, but once you show that you can play, well, now you got two places that you really can't throw. So these are the tough decisions. uh, But to your point, that's where we got to believe, or you said, I believe the Rams have something up their sleeve because you have some, some glaring situations that need to get dealt with, but there's really literally no money, at least we can see on how they could do it. I mean, yeah, but you know, like last year, we said there's said no way, go, no way on Gurley. There's no way on Cooks. They found a way. I think looking at this year, there are fewer options for them. But I mean, there's restructuring you can do. The problem is you're going to restructure contracts you just renegotiated. That makes it a whole. I mean, that makes it a whole lot more fun for later on. But if you're a team looking to win now, they'll find a way. The Rams are, again, they're the best at playing with contracts. I can't think of a team that in the league that is as adept at it. But eventually, sooner or later, you pay the popper. Last year, we thought that was what they were doing with Todd Gurley and with, um, with Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks went out to Houston, had a good year, and the Rams were proved right by, by Todd Gurley. I mean, he didn't have his best year, that's for sure. So. You know, I, I look at this and go, they'll find a way. I'm worried now about the future. What saved them in the past, Mike, has been they draft well in the mid-rounds and they've developed well. And now they've lost so many of these people who played a role in that. Aubrey Pleasant in the secondary. I mean, you're, you're talking about legit dudes. And, of course, Aaron Cromer, Holmes, and Agnew going off to Detroit. Do you feel these losses? And I got to wonder the effect long term. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, there's always going to be turnover now just because of free agency. We understand that. Uh, But what you're talking about is the cumulative effect of coaches and players. Like how, how do you keep battling that? And again, when it now becomes a numbers game, can you get the same caliber if you go out in the free agent market or do you have to figure out what the guys that you have that you've seen have been productive and have played at a high level? Do we try to keep those guys because some of being free agents, they're going to get offers. So can we match them? You know, I mean, do we get a hometown discount? Should we have done it a year earlier? No, we had to wait and see how things were going to play out. So, yeah, I mean, now it's it's at another crucial situation to see how you can figure this out. But it wouldn't be the NFL if it was easy, right? Well, exactly. And there are 32 teams with that same goal. 32 teams. So, 
All right, so folks, it is time for us to roll. We'll be back this weekend, maybe hey, midweek. Before we roll out, real quick, what's your thoughts on Josh Reynolds? They gotta let him go. You think? I don't want him to go. They can't pay him. How about Jared Everett? Gerald Everett, I mean. I mean, I feel the same way. I don't want him to go. They can't pay him. I'm bummed on him, especially because I still, you know, I, they he he's like the one I've always believed would be the guy they could develop into. And we've seen flashes of it, but they went and got that dude last year in the draft with, I think they are settled on. So he's a kind of a guy you can let go and maybe get some comp picks out of it. So, I mean, I, I'm not happy about it, but they get, to me, if you're going to keep somebody, if you're going to find the money for somebody, it it's going to be Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I was just wondering, man. I know we'll, we'll follow up. We'll catch some more on Sunday, but that was just kind of bugging me. I said, let me ask DC before we get out of here today. No, I, I like Reynolds, and I, and I think Reynolds and Everett are probably two guys who will go to another team. They'll find their niche, and they'll put up their best seasons yet. Yeah. And that's the bummer. That that's the part that annoys me, and that's the frustrating side on like the Jared Goff thing. Like you didn't have things straight at quarterback, so whatever was wrong there. And I think Everett and Reynolds probably paid a price for it too. And on the flip side, Johnson with Jordan Fuller back there, that was a nice combo in the safety. Hill was great this year, but he's been so inconsistent overall. I lean more towards bringing back Johnson over Hill. I still would like to have Hill back, but Johnson's a little bit younger too. Yeah, but you know, Hill's a local guy. He's out of St. Bonaventure in Ventura. So pretty big school at the time. They've been on some down years the last couple, but St. Bonnie, as they called it, uh, was one of the bigger programs in that area. Uh, in Ventura, which is, you know, literally about 25, 30 minutes up the road from where they practice. So, yeah, I just was uh, curious because it's just as you look at these different free agents, it's like, man, like, how do you replace again? And quote, Ram- Ramsey called Johnson the most complete safety I've ever played with and said of Hill, without him and his versatility, him being able to play inside and outside, I wouldn't have been able to be who I was this year. So that says a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see here pretty quick. But that's the thing is I, I, I really do like both guys, but Johnson, let's just say it this way. When, John, when we had Rap back there last year, when Fuller was down, you know, the what was exposed was Rap's struggles in pass defense. The best combination the Rams had was Johnson and Fuller. And that doesn't mean Rap doesn't have a role. He's a good player who I think is is a big part of this team's future. But I think Johnson's the key to all of that. And losing him is that's. Nah, they, I think they got to find a way to keep him. But you know what? The odds aren't good for that either. I mean, we'll find out what they do, but they got to find money. My <laughs> guess is they can only pay one of those four dudes. 
Show me the money. Yes. You know, we'll, we'll find out. All right, folks. You can find us at Talk Rams on Twitter for the actual full site. Don't forget the art guys right over ramstalk.net. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at 1Duke23. All on Twitter. Facebook, we have the Rams Talk Room and the Rams Talk page. Go check them out. And as always, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found. Until next time, we're out of here. We're out of here, folks.